seated. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this talk tonight, but I've been, um, I've been reading a book called The Cost of Cheap Grace. And if we treat God's grace cheaply, it won't bode well for us in the afterlife. And so quite often, I like talking about this because this is the, our main purpose that God has for us and Jesus told us to follow him, not just listen about him or come to church and, and uh, visit with friends. As important that, as that is, we need to follow Christ. And so that's where I'm heading. So we are three weeks into the Lenten season. I hope that any sacrifice you've made during Lent has brought you closer to Christ and that you are feeling compassion for his sacrifice. Particularly during Lent, I believe we come to church to celebrate Jesus' life, his perfect life, and how he modeled what heaven will be like. He told us how to attain the kingdom of heaven by loving one another. So tonight, I thought it would be important to discuss Jesus' life and what it means to follow him. So, I said this, I call this the blip in the Apostles' Creed. My wife had an issue with that, and Holly too. But I really meant the skip, or the something that's missing in the Apostles' Creed. So, there's something that bothers me every week. We say he was born of the Virgin Mary, and then boom, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. What about his life here on earth, the span of 33 years where he showed us a perfect life? that we are to follow. If you've been here for some of my previous talks, I have said you, each of you, is God's favorite. God does not play favorites. In fact, Jesus will share his throne with each of us in heaven. We are considered equal to his son. He's made you all special and for a special purpose, and with special talents. But you are all his beloved. Paul writes that we are raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2.6. That is how much God loves you and, you and me. Revelation 3.21 tells us, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me, on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Does that stir something up in your hearts? Does it draw you into a loving relationship with our risen Savior? I've also talked about swinging for that goal of being in heaven. I compared the game of golf to the game of life. The hazards, the trees, the tall grass, the water, the sand, getting in the way of our goal, trying to get to that green and put the golf ball into the, uh, into the cup, which is much like all of the distractions of our life trying to reach the kingdom of heaven. You may have heard of this man, Stephen Covey. He's an American educator and author who says to us, begin with the end in mind. We should live each day like we are preparing for heaven. 
direct our thoughts and actions to that purpose. Ask God to change our hearts and do his will on earth. My last time I spoke, I talked about being poor in spirit. Here as we approach Easter, we must nail our old selves to the cross and rise as new beings and accept God's grace and put him on the throne of our hearts, not ourselves. Put Christ on the throne of our hearts. Our lives are no longer about us. They are about him. Become poor in spirit. Submit yourself to God. Without him, we are doing nothing that pleases him. Jesus never put himself first, but God first. Philippians 2 verse 8 tells us, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If Jesus was purely a lamb to be slaughtered, God could have had him sacrificed at an early age. Instead, he lived to show us a godly life and how God wants a relationship with each of us. He also showed us what heaven could be like. In heaven, we'll be free from pain. Jesus healed people from all types of diseases, physical injury, birth defects. This can give us hope. Live daily for that perfect world. In heaven, we'll be free from sorrow. He healed the emotionally injured, the lost, the woman at the well, a social outcast. Zacchaeus, scorned from being a tax collector. The woman caught in adultery, expecting to be stoned. Each day we can live for hope of being emotionally healed, our brokenness and pain to be wiped away by God's perfect love. Above all, Jesus came to show us that success in this life isn't what's important. Material wealth, popularity, good health, bad health, comfort, this world is a battleground to make the decision, are we following him or following the world? Are we on the throne of our heart or is Christ? Do we love enough to think of others before our own financial gain, our own comfort, our own security, our own happiness? Jesus told his disciples to follow him and that requires action. Pastor Gary has been talking often about knowing something to the understanding that it leads us into action. The Hebrew word is yada. Romans 10, 9 through 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I thought I'd look up this word believe just to see if it was yada. But the New Testament's written in Greek and not in Hebrew. The word believe um, in Greek is this word, if I can say it right, pastuo, pastuo, to commit one's trust. It doesn't mean you talk about it. You show your belief through action. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so no one may boast. Now people read that far, and they think, well, I don't have to do works. I'm not expected to do works, because I'm, I am justified by faith alone. But it goes on to say, for we are his workmanship. Pastor Gary likes to say we are his poem. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. When God laid the foundations of the world, he had designed special works for each of us to do. But... We need that relationship with God before we can reach out to others. And we think of the cross that way. And I think I'll be doing this more and more. How do we build that relationship with God? Prayer. We had a, a prayer group that met on Monday nights here once, once a month. And we read all kinds of books about prayer. But you can't do it wrong. God knows you. He knows your heart. Talk to him like a friend. And for me, I love to hear an answer in my ears. But I hear it, and I, I must ready my heart for this, but I hear it through other people. God answers me through what people tell me and things that I hear maybe uh, in a podcast or um, from Pastor Gary. But... Um, we, God does answer prayer, but prayer is where you begin. Spend time daily talking to God in prayer. In fact, Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. You can pray all day long. And we talked about this at our Bible study. It's okay to pray for yourself. We have to be filled with God's love before we can share it. Pray for more faith. Pray to know him in a deeper level. And then you have something that you can share with others. And that is your good works. Once you're, well, once you're praying, and you can pray scripture too as well, read the Bible. It gives you a foundation for your faith, and you get to know God's voice and who God is. This is a rocket science. You all know this. But make time daily to pray and read the Bible. I read before bedtime at night, and some nights it's just only a couple verses, and I'm, I'm suddenly seeing double. But know these verses, and when you find one you especially like, write it down and try to remember it. Once we know God's heart, his love, and we build our faith, we have something we can share. Jesus tells us to abide in him. The word abide means to accept and act in accordance with. Sounds like yada. The other definition is to tolerate. Abide also means to tolerate. Change is hard. Some things God asks us to do might seem difficult, like standing here and talking to you tonight. God is always is stretching me and trying to make changes in me. And so you have to be tolerant of that as well. That doesn't mean I don't love God, but it means like, really? You want me to do this, God? 
And I always say yes. And somehow God always supports me. I'll be talking about that yet. Jesus tells us that God prunes us. He takes away the parts of us that do not produce fruit so that we can grow more efficiently and produce better fruit for him, much like the vine dresser would take the suckers off the vine so that he would, they would get more grapes in the end. That's Jesus' metaphor for that. He also says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need to start with him before we can do anything else. We all do stuff, but without knowing Jesus, what we do doesn't matter to God. We are still stuck in sin. We have to know him for him to lead us and for us to follow. My dad always said to me, do as I say, not as I do. It was his way out of uh, not trying to act better. But um, <clears throat> we show our true feelings by the decisions we make, the way we act, the things we say. If we love God, it will show in our thoughts, in our speech, and in our actions. It's the same with our faith. If we have developed a relationship with God, it will show in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. I'd like to tell a story I heard some time ago, about a year ago, and I hope I can tell it correctly. I hope you know the story of the two thieves that were crucified with Jesus. One mocked Jesus, and the other asked Jesus to remember him when he came to his kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's Luke 23, 43. The story goes on. So once they are in heaven, the angels attend to Jesus and this thief, washing them, anointing them with oil and perfume, giving them robes of royalty, beautiful sandals for their feet, a gold ring on their fingers, and a crown for their heads. The thief cannot believe this is happening to him and says to Jesus, I understand why you are getting this treatment. Why is this happening to me? Jesus tells him, here in heaven, once you have endured suffering for my sake, you are a king. I will share my throne with you. And the thief thinks and says, if I would have known that I were a king, I wouldn't have lived my life as a thief. If I would have known that I were a king, I wouldn't have lived my life as a thief. When we look and live each day with the end in mind, we should be thinking of Christ's kingdom and the kingship waiting for each of us. So I'm wondering, are we living our lives as kings or as thieves? Are we sharing God's kingdom with the lost, the poor, those without hope, as a king would? Or are we trying to make this world our heaven? Are we stealing from the kingdom of God? 
Are we living each day for God's glory or for our own glory? We can only serve his kingdom out of his love for God. God knows our hearts and he knows who sits on that throne. If you feel God tugging at your heart, ask the Holy Spirit for strength and guidance. I sure couldn't do it on my own. I am praying always for the Holy Spirit's help. And you can too. Be a light in a world of darkness. Glorify your Father in heaven. Once you develop a love for our Father, He will lead you to produce good fruit for His kingdom. I'm going to give you two examples of how this has worked in my life. About a year ago, I went to the Chamber of Commerce meeting and I asked if, they, if we could do an outdoor concert using their equipment from the Friday night, if they would hold it so we could use it on Saturday. How was God with me? I sat next to Pam Langley, who was my greatest help <coughs> and organizer. And on the other side of me was Ken Harder, president of the St. Anthony's Church Council and head of FFA fundraisers for years. Um, and the, the president of the chamber, Gail Yatso, was so supportive. She made sure we would have a stage, power hookups, electricity, picnic tables, garbage cans, signs for parking, and no parking, and helped us with rerouting the boat landing. Katie Dahl came and gave us her card because St. Clair's Hospital was looking for a Christian event they could support. All on a simple idea. I just thought I'd ask, and everyone joined in to help me. That is God's grace. My wife Barbara had an idea for a soup kitchen. I suddenly had five cooks here at our church who wanted to help. I had no idea how to set it up or how to get um, the materials to do it, but they helped. And we have a wonderful community here who also brings in the supplies we need every second Tuesday of the month to have a successful dinner here for anyone who wants to come. It's not just for poor people, but that's we're really designing it for the elderly and for people who are desperate in need of a meal. I can't believe this is happening. My brother Randy. <laughs> um, we pray. We, have a, we eat and have a great time visiting with many of our church family. Also, uh, people that come from the Kingdom Come Food Pantry who also is helping us with this endeavor. If you haven't attended, please come. It's exactly what I hoped for. Praise you, Jesus. <clears throat> so this is my story. What is your story? Have you been thinking of ways you want to serve God? There is need everywhere. Look at your junk mail. Look at the news. Look to our church. Find where God is working. Pray and join in. God will provide. He will provide. How great is our God. Begin each day praying on that. He loves us so much, even in our deepest sin, that he would send his own son to model what heaven will look like. 
and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, any mourning or crying or pain. Revelation 21.4. I've told my story in humbling myself to Yahweh. He continues to humble me in how he is with me, supporting me and leading me. The fact that I am speaking here today I'd like to leave you with the last words Jesus gave us all in the Great Commission. Lyle read it beautifully earlier. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The things I keep from this verse, or two verses, is the beginning. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. If he is with us, who could be against us? And he's with us always even until the end of the age. We can use this as the 11th commandment. Christ is counting on us to follow him. Look for the needs around us. Pray, read the Bible, ask God where he wants to lead you, and follow him. I pray this Lenten season will change your life. Jesus gave everything for us. You are his favorite. He loves you more than we'll ever understand. Ask his Holy Spirit to help us live this life with a king's generosity. Begin each day with heaven in mind and follow him. I thank you, Lord, for thinking of me to lead this service. May all the glory and praise be yours. Amen. I think... I left my thingy here, honey, guys.